The scripture reading this morning is Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25. Brothers and sisters, we have confidence that we can enter the Holy of Holies by means of Jesus's blood through a new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, which is his body. And we have a great high priest over God's house. Therefore, let's draw near with a genuine heart with the certainty that our faith gives us, since our hearts are sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies are washed with pure water. Let's hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering because the one who made the promises is reliable. And let us consider each other carefully for the purpose of sparking love and good deeds. Don't stop meeting together with other believers, which some people have gotten into the habit of doing. Instead, encourage each other, especially as you see the day drawing near. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. There we go. The church that the writer of Hebrews was writing to was really tired and discouraged. We don't know exactly why. Maybe they had a government that was pretty oppressive. Maybe they were really far from their glory years when Jesus was walking the earth with them, maybe just been through a pandemic. I don't know. They were really tired and they were discouraged. And so the writer of Hebrews writes this letter to them that Barb read a bit from us today, for us today. This week I read an article. This is the kind of article that keeps me up at night says is entitled why they're not coming back to church and what to do with who's left <laughs> and here's what it said if they're not coming back now you told yourself then people will come back in the fall after christmas when the mask mandate is lifted when most people are vaccinated after the summer break when all the restrictions are lifted once the kids are back in school full-time and now almost two full years into the pandemic, with some states and regions having been open for a year or longer, the slow realization is finally happening. The great return to church has become the great realization. Maybe they're not coming back. Not now, not tomorrow, not ever. We don't know why. Now, I'm really glad we have a full house this morning, at least full for us, because it makes it a lot easier to read those words. But um, yeah, thank you. Oh, you guys. I, I just want to say that, you know, sometimes we get discouraged and sometimes we don't know why. And right now we're on the edge of still unknown times of, of how people are going to put their lives together, how our world will be put to back together, what's going to be forward. And so I am encouraged where we're at here at VBC that I think we can also relate to this article a little bit <laughs> and to the Church of Hebrews. We know what it's like to be tired and discouraged. Our entire culture is feeling that way right now. 
stymied, afraid to trust, afraid to know how to plan. This article I read had lots of practical and helpful ideas, but the author of Hebrews was not into tactical solutions. He thought that the problem needed a complete reorientation of identity. He's saying that, that this discouragement that you're experiencing is a, is a spiritual issue. It's about who you are and how you understand God. And so he begins with the church to work on some ideas that they were holding above God that weren't rooted in the revelation of Jesus, that weren't rooted in the reality of, of the deep love that we experience in God through Jesus. He says earlier in verses 11 to 14, every priest stands every day serving and offering the same sacrifices over and over, sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when this priest offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, he sat down at the right side of God. Since then, he's waiting until his enemies are made into a footstool for his feet because he perfected the people who are being made holy with one offering for all time. There's a lot in that. But what I hear is that the church of Hebrews seems to be stuck in old understandings of how God works. Ones where the religious systems are based on shame and guilt and the appeasement of a God who needs to be constantly sacrificed to. But he says Jesus did away with all of those systems. And now, now we're in a flow of grace and liberation, not stuck in shame and guilt. I love the, the way he talks about Jesus, how the, we have confidence that we can enter the Holy of Holies by means of Jesus' blood through a new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain which is his body. There's this embodiment to how Jesus put, put himself out there and, and actually opened up a way and this flow of, of liberation and grace that we get to live in. This love of Jesus was, was not just pie in the sky or in his head. It was expressed in his blood. The opening to God was, was not just a physical curtain parting in the, in the temple. It was actually made through his body. Jesus puts his body in the service of love. And so we are invited to have this same faith, that our faith and our hope and our love will be met with the love of God, that we do not need to live in shame or guilt or fear. There's an urgency to this text. This text is not about the problem of congregational decline. This, pro this church, this text is about the liberation of the world. And our gathering is not about sacrificing or appeasing or just or just coming to church to check something off the list. This is about finding liberation. Liberation from guilt and shame, the things that, that keep hounding us throughout our lives, and liberation to be able to love the world with open arms. What becomes possible when we get out of those cycles of shame and guilt? What can be possible 
if we start letting go of some of those messages and those practices that we have that are, that are rooted in trying to appease God or trying to, to make ourselves more perfect, what happens when we can actually internalize the radical love of God? What becomes possible? Father Greg Boyle, who works in gang intervention and rehabilitation and reentry in South Central Los Angeles, has a new book called Whole Language. And if you've been listening to me preach for a while, you know I love Father Greg. And so um, I'm reading this book. I have it on audio and on my Kindle because I, I, whenever I need to remember what my faith is about, I go back to reading Father Greg. So I'd like to read to you this story this morning that he tells. He says, I make my way to Pelican Bay State Prison at the top of the state of California near the Oregon border. The Catholic chaplain, a gentle soul named Sam, made the arrangements. Pelican Bay has long been considered the repository of the worst of the worst. It has forever been the last stop of all the stops. Sam walks me through the segregated unit, one man cells holding the most incorrigible. He announces me to the cell ahead saying, hey, it's Father Greg from Homeboy Industries. Many become little kids in juvenile hall again. Gee, dog, remember me? You used to throw mass at Central at Eastlake. After Sam would announce me, I would step up and carry on a brief conversation and end with a blessing. One guy says when I arrive at his door, your father, Greg? Yeah. Huh. He looks skinnier on TV. <laughs> I thank him for pointing this out. I celebrate mass in the gym on a yard. Sam has secured a large group to gather and has also been allowed to take pictures, which is not a permission typically granted. After mass, inmates pose with me, one, four, sometimes groups of, tw groups of 12 or more. I meet a guy named Louie with every inch of his face covered in tattoos, a calling card for a seriously traumatized human being. Tattoos like this can often be a keep away sign, meant to keep all, all comers guessing as to the mental stability of the tattooed one. Louis has all day sentenced forever and will never leave prison alive. He is goofy and charming and not at all off-putting. He becomes the phantom, ever-present photo bomber. He manages to insinuate himself into every picture. Though never invited, he steps into the shot and no one rebuffs him. He's just a tender part of the scenery. As Sam and I walk from the gym after mass, I mention Louie and laugh about our intrepid photo bomber. Sam tells me that some months earlier, he had planned a concert by Eric Genus. Eric has performed at Carnegie Hall and later at Homeboy Industries. He plays the piano and has a couple others who accompany him on strings. Sam had, had secured permission for 200 inmates, but only 60 showed up, and Sam was a bit disappointed. Eric had planned to play for 45 minutes and then engage in a question and answer session for 15. He began to play and something descended on these folks gathered in the same gym where I had celebrated the Eucharist. There was a reverent stillness thick in the air. Inmates and guards alike were held in this music spell. It was the most glorious thing Sam had ever witnessed at Pelican Bay. 
he looked at the prisoners, and soon they were all sobbing. He saw that the guards were discreetly flicking tears. The magnificent music had detonated some relief so welcome and unexpected. Eric finished and turned to his stunned audience and asked if there were any questions. There was only silence for some time. And then Louis, our photobomber, rose. He had something to, stay, to say, but he was still crying so hard. It was momentarily a struggle for him to locate his question. He could only utter one word. Why? Eric began to cry as well and said, because you are deserving. You are worthy of beauty and music. And because there is no difference between you and me. And here, I suppose, said Father Greg, is the faith that saves. When we are anchored in love, tethered to a sustaining God and ever mindful of our undeniable goodness, that's why. This is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to convey to his tired congregation. You are loved and you are worthy. And so we can photobomb with the best of them, <laughs> confidently loving this world like Louis. I'm struck by how this text has so much first person plural. It's really written in the first person plural. Let's draw near with a genuine heart. Let's hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. Let us consider each other carefully for the purpose of sparking love and good deeds. The radical love and acceptance of God is meant for us to together throw our arms open to the world and into community, into kinship. So it's Stewardship Sunday this week and next, so I'm impressed you all showed up. Maybe you didn't read your email carefully enough. Stewardship is a funky old church word. To make the most, to hold with honor, to, to do the best with what we have is the sense of stewardship. And as we together turn, though, to 2022, we, we face a world that is also discouraged and in deep pain. And we are invited to go deep into the love of God, to really believe it, to really embody it, to trust it, that if we open ourselves up and if we give ourselves away, that there will be enough for all, that healing is possible in this corner and that corner and that place, in your life, in my life, in the lives of all who step onto this campus and those who are touched by the ways we reach out. As we were preparing the postcard that is in the back this week, I was trying to think about what the, the, the byline should be, what should be the theme. And this one came to me, more than ever, the world needs a base camp. And I believe this, but none of us, especially me, can do this alone. This is a time to go deep and go far together. I'm not sure who's all coming back to church, but I am full of confidence that this is a time for us to step forward, 
to believe that love is stronger than fear and death, to build a more loving world together. Amen.